The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. And just like that, it is the last weekend of August. How about that? Welcome to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Good hour plan for you. Stick around. On the way, Ask Annex going to talk about insurance policy conversions, inheritance options, and a gift for a newborn. That's on the way. Also coming up, hear the difference. This is an Annex Wealth Management client sharing his story. I love this story. Please stick around for that. I'm Danny Clayton. Todd Voigt is our chief investment strategist. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. And Dave Spano, President and CEO, welcome to you. Yeah, you'll remember, Danny, last week we were talking a lot about Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is the symposium that goes on with these economists from all over the world, the Bank of Japan and Bank of England and all these Fed governors. They come to Jackson Hole and they sit around and uh, drink cocktails and talk about the world of monetary policy. And we were very much looking forward to Friday afternoon when Chairman Powell was going to speak. Can we wind the clock back? Because he, so we, he doesn't, yeah, right? Because well, it was did. quite an impact on Friday. He did. And after he spoke, uh, the market reacted violently. We ended up going down more than 800 points on Friday. And that, that certainly sent a shiver in the markets. And I think one of the reasons that has happened, Todd, is because Chairman Powell really put a more hawkish view on the Fed's policy. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, there was the expectation that that was going to happen. But at the same time, you know, some were talking that this was a do-nothing type Jackson Hole and that it could nothing could come out of it possibly. But the greater consensus, I thought, did expect a little more hawkish tone and a pushback on that potential pivot next year. We didn't buy into that for a number of reasons I could go into, but um, yeah, it certainly pushed down the market. So let's talk about that. So the Fed has got to try to get inflation under control, and it certainly became unanchored. I remember one year ago, Todd, uh, then when they were meeting at their annual meeting uh, in Wyoming, they were talking about uh, inflation being transitory. And, and you and I talked about that and said that certainly doesn't make sense. And if they don't get control of it, it would become unanchored. And that is exactly what happened. I saw some stunning numbers today in Europe where, listen to this, Germany's CPI report is above 30 percent, and that's just shocking. And even in the UK, it's approaching 20 percent. So there is inflation all over the world. And here they're still trying to slow conditions down uh, because the job market is still very tight. So the the idea that the Fed thought that the inflation was was transitory, there's a component that actually is. However, the core part of that is going to settle down in that 4 to 5% area, and they're not going to get it back down to their target of 2%. So you might get some relief in some aspects of inflation that, that what really would be textbook transitory, but, but you're you not going to get it in the Yeah, rest but let of me it. just jump in, Todd. You know, I, I think I was I was pretty uh, was pretty excited about the idea that the Fed was going to make a mistake, that they weren't reacting quick enough, and that it would become unanchored. And, and now they have admitted, they have come out and admitted that they did react too slowly, and they said they're going to learn from that, obviously. But when you look at uh, what's happening and the fact that they're purposely 
trying to slow the economy down. That is the reason why the stock market reacted, because there's companies then, of course, that it's going to hurt their profit margin. Absolutely. And so there's that trade-off. You know, do they, do they fight inflation or do they alleviate the risk of going into recession? Well, they made it clear in his speech that, the, you know, the fight is with inflation, that the, you know, whether we go into recession is secondary, that ties in with earnings. And the reason I say that the, the, they see the inflation concern because they, they didn't bring up and didn't talk about the international scene. We know uh, what's going on there. But you got productivity plunging, that's inflationary. You got a number of factors that are going to put a floor under inflation. That's why I say you may see a Fed that has to settle for 5% inflation or 4% inflation as much as they try to get it down to their target of two, and they'll still drive the economy into recession because yeah. don't forget they raised rates quarter, half, 75, 75, and he's talking Friday about raising another 75 in September. Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. We've got them for the whole hour. Week in Review, available on demand this weekend, either at the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel or within the Axiom, which is delivered Sunday mornings. You can subscribe to get the latest. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, August 28th. We're going to be right back, 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? One team, one plan, one fee. Investment retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. A couple of things maybe this weekend. Sign up for the Axiom, our free weekly newsletter. Connect on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, our Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel with all of the videos that our company produced. Really good, great educational stuff, over 1,500 of them. Check out the brand new SWAT podcast with members from our Annex Wealth Management investment team. And this show will be available on demand at the top of the hour at the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel. I'm Danny Clayton. Todd Boyd is in the studio. He is Chief Investment Strategist. Dave Spano, our President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Yeah, thanks, Danny. I just wanted to continue the conversation we were having in the first segment about the Federal Reserve and, of course, some of their actions. And, of course, we all know, because we talk about it often enough, that they have two jobs or a dual mandate. One is to keep uh, the United States uh, fully employed, and the second is to have what are called price controls, or, in other words, keep inflation under control. Well, obviously, the job market is super strong, and so they are off that job. They think they have, they have achieved it, and the labor markets are continuing to be tight. So the Federal Reserve is trying to attack the inflationary job, and they are talking tough, Todd. Uh, we were talking earlier that earlier in the year, you know, that you know, I'd say that half of what they say is uh, is tough talk. They got to talk down inflation. Would they really let the economy go deep into recession? They may really emphasize that a little more on Friday in that talk, but um, the market's taken it um, unusually well, as if it's already discounted. Ten-year yeah. treasuries didn't change much. Uh, the futures markets pricing in fifty-five percent chance they're going to. That last I checked, that they're going to raise rates seventy-five basis points in September. So, I was really surprised that part of it. 
in terms of expectations didn't change it, that yeah. much. And, and, and I'll say, you know, they are talking tough, and maybe that's the transitory part that they're actually going to be right about is they're going to talk tough now and then get, get away from it come 2023 when the economy slows down because raising rates has a lagging effect. And so it really hasn't even kicked in oh. yet, and this could be next year before you everything hit, slows down. You hit the nail on the head. The um the, the leg effect of 25 basis point, 50, 75, 75 coming off of zero is not the same thing as a 75 basis point hike on 6% like it was 25 years ago. I've said all along that leg effect of those rate hikes are going to show up in December, January. We also said earlier um, that the softness in the economy would show up August, September. That's happening, and, and they're maintaining that tough talk, which is really getting the market to react to that but you're right about the end of the year and then they're they're leaning toward letting the economy fall in recession and, it's and, driving the market lower. And, and it is driving the market lower. And it's about a 50% chance right now and about a 40% that they'll have what's called a soft landing. In other words, they'll slow down the economy. They'll get inflation under control but not cause a recession. That's uh, that's about a flip of the coin one way or another right now. But they say that they're not convinced that inflation has peaked. But there are some things that we're seeing that are, of course, good news. And that is that the supply chain is starting to loosen up and the fact that China is starting to come back online. You can see car prices starting to level off. All of those things are good, but the reason inflation had slowed down was because of energy prices started to come back. But now you look at what's happening around the world with, you know, Russia has this pipeline called Nord Stream 2 that they say they're going to take offline. And then, of course, the Saudis said they're going to cut back on production. So energy prices uh, may not be their friend coming forward. Especially going into winter. But uh, you're right earlier about personal consumption expenses which they watch came in softer than expected, which confirms the case that we might have seen peak inflation in June. But our argument is it's going to remain elevated. Uh, you don't know, and this is uncharted territory for anybody that looks at the, 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 the magnitude of the rate hikes and the speed of adjustment in the economy by year end. So to this argument about a soft landing in 40%, I'd say, man, you're probably looking at a 10% chance of a soft landing. Right. Uh, not likely. It it remains to be seen. We'll be curious to see what happens. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Uh, really appreciate you coming on today. And of course, folks, this really means that you've got to go through your portfolio because there's places that can do well in inflationary environments, and there are places that you can invest that can be a good haven when the economy slows down. That is the reason why you need to know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it, Danny. Don't go alone, folks. Team up with Annex Wealth Management is a fee-only fiduciary. What we handle on your behalf is investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. The place to start is our website, AnnexWealth.com. Just click that Get Started button. What are the seven money lies we tell ourselves? That's coming up next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We are going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. At Annex Wealth Management, we put our money where our heart is. With the Annex Charitable Foundation, we strive to support difference makers in local communities and organizations to help them succeed. That's part of the difference. Learn more at AnnexCharitableFoundation.org. Act 1, Scene 3, Hamlet from William Shakespeare. There's the line, To thine own self be true. 
good advice, but when it comes to money, it might be the opposite. We found a list of seven money lies we tell ourselves. Dan Phillips is Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. She is here to talk about them. Hey, Deanne. Hello, Danny. I knew you knew that line. Uh, absolutely. Because why? <laughs> because that was my major in undergraduate. Still waters run deep. All they right. do. <laughs> All right. The first money lie we tell ourselves is, I'll be happier when I have X, X amount, amount. Of Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we're used to thinking in terms of end games, right? So it's logical to think that one might say, well, when I have X amount of dollars, I'll have made it. However... Life isn't linear, neither are Shakespeare plays, neither are our finances. So expenses and cash flows don't come in and go out smoothly all the time, and we're aware of this. It's great to have those goals, those target numbers, but there isn't a magic number that equates to happiness. What's a lot for some isn't a lot of money for others. Just like people, finances are personal to someone's situation, lifestyle, health, and all that. If we rely on that special magic number, we're actually setting ourselves up for disappointment if we don't achieve it and then maintain this happiness, you know, from there on out. But, you know, here's the thing, though. When we make progress toward our goals, it scientifically is satisfying. So whether or not we hit that magic target, we need to make progress. I'm probably going to butcher it, but there's the famous Rockefeller line where they said, well, how much money do you want? And he said, one dollar more. Right? <laughs> right, okay. right. Money line number two, I deserve it regardless of whether I can afford it. Yep. As humans, we love to rationalize our behavior, justify our actions. And let's face it, we've all been through a lot. So with the stimulus that came, bonuses, it's easy to say, hey, I work hard. It's been tough. I deserve this expense. That's usually used to soothe the sting of expensive purchases, the things that aren't really essential. You know, one off, that's okay. But with frequency, that can derail a financial plan. Money line number three, more of a declaration. I have strong financial willpower. Uh Uh-huh. Many of us think we do. So I say this, show me your actual spending. I will show you what you value. Uh, Not my line, but a great one and very true. When was the last time that we really, really wanted something and we didn't get it? Even if it means we went back the next day and got it, right? That's just how we work. The average American spends at least a couple of $100 a month on impulse purchases. And when you add stress to that mix... Well, we're likely to spend even more. And that's probably why impulse spending shot up about 18% last year in 2020. Utilizing our phones and credit cards instead of cash, it makes it so easy. The average credit card shopper spends about 10% more with their cards than they would if they were actually pulling out their billfold and using cash. What's that old saying? You're spending money you don't have to buy things you don't, you don't need, need to impress people you, you don't, don't like. care about, right? <laughs> right or you don't okay. like, right, right. Deanne Phillips is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, talking about seven months money lies that we tell ourselves. Number four, I'll save more later. Yeah, Danny. Okay, I'm going to show my age in this one, but you'll get this. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, right? right? Uh, Yeah, people buy now and they think they'll save later or they'll pay the piper later. This might be what we have left over and without any real savings goal, right? Um, Fewer than one in six of us are saving more than 15% of our income and one in five people aren't saving anything. It's important to give a nod to how important the future you is to be serious about having enough money in retirement. No one wants to dramatically cut their lifestyle when they retire. Speaking of the future, money line number five, I have plenty of time to plan for my financial future and I don't need to think about it yet. You know, so I have clients that come in and they say that this is their kiddo, right? Because they're so young. When we're young and we're facing those decades of work, even before retirement, 
it can seem so far away that there might be an urge to put it off, put off all that planning. This gives more room in our minds for excuses and to spend however we want now. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from Benjamin Franklin. I say this all the time, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Moving through a list of seven money lies that we tell ourselves, number six, there's good and bad debt. And this is where it confuses me because I thought some debt is needed. So how bad is it? Yeah, so this one might be a money lie, but we really need to retool and rethink this. I say this all the time, Danny. We have to follow the math on this one. There's actually better debt when compared to factors like earnings, inflation, current economic circumstances. Let me give you an example. Many people have mortgage debt, right? And this is a great environment for low rates. People are refinancing into a two and three quarters, 3%, right? If an investment portfolio is making double that, and the mortgage debt is half that, well, that does look like smarter debt because the investments are doing better. So it's really about a comparison. Why, why would you take money out of something that's growing and lock it up in your house just to have the house paid off? Now, there may be other reasons, and it goes back to your financial plan, but this really is mathematical as well as emotional. You need to explore both of those sides. We do tend to assign moral value to debt, and we have to remember all debt does come with a cost. There's nothing for nothing, right? It's critical to understand how every loan affects our current and future selves. So focusing on that total cost of interest over time versus total earnings over time, that's what's important. Working through a list of seven money lies we tell ourselves, not trying to beat you up here because here's where I think it turns around. This is a lie. Wanting more is bad. It's not bad. No, it doesn't have to be. Ever hear of it's not having what you want but wanting what you got. So while that's true, wanting more for yourself and loved ones isn't innately bad. What we don't want to do is trick our mind into telling ourselves that we'll just settle for less and let that affect our behavior, like saving less to justify our current spending to the detriment of our future self. This money lie holds us back, and it can be hard to improve our financial behaviors. But wanting more can be a positive motivator. Dan Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Inflation isn't going away anytime soon. As the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises, you may wonder if your retirement plans are still on track. Annex Wealth Management can help. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, our in-house planning team will create your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth metric will help you understand the impact inflation may have on your plans. Get started today. Visit AnnexWealth.com. We're back and it's time for Ask Annex. Same rules as always. You're always welcome to drop in a question via our website at AnnexWealth.com. We get back to everybody. Some folks don't want their stuff on the show and that's fine. They become anonymous. Before I get too far down the road, let's introduce everybody. Randy Winkler, CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Sarah Kyle, wealth manager, Annex Wealth Management. Hello to you. Hello, Danny. First one is anonymous. I have a bunch of life insurance policies collected over the years. Many have cash value. I've heard of people converting those policies, but to what? More insurance? A different type of insurance? Interesting question, Randy. It is. It's not uncommon for us to see people, especially highly compensated people, have a whole bunch of policies. We've seen more than a dozen. And a lot of times they've been accumulated over the years, and maybe they're not sure how they work, even what the cost is. What we do is an insurance evaluation. So we don't sell insurance, but we have some 
extremely well-vetted insurance partners that we work with. And the first thing we take a look at and say, okay, how much insurance is needed, if any? Many cases you reach a point in life where you don't need life insurance anymore. But if you do need it, how much? After we determine that, we take a look at what do they currently own? What is it? What's it cost? How does it work? Is it appropriate? If that's the case, we take a look with our insurance partners and say, how can we do better? How often do you find people underinsured versus overinsured? That's a good question. I think quite often we see people where they've reached the point where they no longer need insurance, so they're overinsured. But it's equally common where we'll see some people that do not have enough life insurance. We just had a case recently with a client, extremely highly compensated, had a lot of insurance policies. And when we did this evaluation, we determined they were underinsured by several million dollars, but the policies they were in were very expensive. So by doing our analysis and coming up with some suggestions, we could get them the appropriate amount of insurance. And we saved them over $20,000 a year in premiums. Hello. They they were pretty happy about that. Yeah. (laughs) The question also mentioned converting. So what oftentimes we see is that people are in cash value life insurance and they've accumulated it over their lifetime and they can reach a point where they may no longer need life insurance. What happens in that case is we can often convert that to long-term care insurance, which is often needed when you get later in life. So it's a way to repurpose insurance. We do something called a 1035 exchange, which basically means it happens without taxes. And we take the insurance that's no longer needed and cover a need. Everybody perked up when they heard without taxes. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Next one's from Phil. My wife is going to be coming into a significant inheritance. We don't know the exact amount, but it will allow us to pay off all of our debt with the exception of the house and the car. House is financed with a 30-year loan at 2.75%, and the car is 0% for 60 months. What's the right call here? Do we pay a lump sum towards the mortgage, or do we refinance at a higher rate? The third option is to invest the money and just pay enough to get out of PMI. Well, I would suggest option number three. You have what I call free money on that car loan. Just make sure you're making the monthly payments on time and pay it off when it's due. And you have very cheap money for your mortgage. So I would suggest paying enough to get rid of that PMI and then invest the money. Next one up on Ask Annex is anonymous. Can I use my HSA funds to cover a previous medical expense if I opened a new HSA and transferred my old HSA money into it? Well, we've spoke a lot about HSAs over the years, and we have a lot of content on our YouTube channel. But what I think is happening here is he has an HSA maybe that only allows for cash, and he wants to have more options by opening up an investment HSA. Because you don't have to move your HSA. You can leave it wherever you want. So if he's looking for additional features, it is portable. You have the option to do pretty much whatever you want with your HSA. And as far as his question on covering the expenses, HSAs are very flexible. As long as you can prove with a receipt that you paid an expense out of pocket, you can go back and reimburse yourself from expenses incurred years ago and from either HSA, from the old one, the new one, or have a combination. It's Ask Annex. Got a question for us. You head to our website, look for the Ask tab. Everybody gets an answer. Some wind up on the radio and some do not, but this one does from Jonathan. Hello, my sister is expecting, and when the child arrives, I'd like to gift it some sort of financial account or bond between $1,000 and $5,000. Any suggestions on what type of gift or account would work the best? Well, Jonathan, I'm a big fan of the 529 plans for college savings. Contributions amounts and tax deductions will vary by state, but it grows tax-free and comes out tax-free if used for qualified higher education expense. But if you didn't want to do that, you could also do a custodial brokerage account, which you control until the child, your niece or nephew, turns either 18 or 21, depending on the state you open the account in. But the drawback is that that child gets full control of the account at the age, and if they aren't responsible with money, 
that might be not be spent in the uh, manner you intended. So to avoid that happening, you could also do a regular brokerage account in your own name and earmark the savings and investments for your niece or nephew. You would have control and the freedom to use the money as you see fit. And what's cool about doing a brokerage account for your niece or nephew is you can teach them about investing and get them engaged at a young age. And that will really help them get interested in what they're doing and what they're investing in. And Jonathan, congratulations on becoming named Uncle of the Year already, even before birth. That is Ask Annex. Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If we can help on anything else, that website is AnnexWealth.com for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary, as we always urge you. Know the difference. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. My pleasure. Randy Winkler, CFP and Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Sure. Happy to be here. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Looking for more? The Annex team produces original audio and video content to teach, inform, and demonstrate how we think and operate on behalf of our clients. Visit the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel and explore. Just search Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Robert Chastain, Branch Director and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Hey, Robert, welcome back. Hi, Danny. You know, if you're working for yourself, folks, you are the chief cook and bottle washer, as my dad used to say, and talking about entrepreneurs, single-person shops, small businesses. You provide any number of services. You've got autonomy, you've got freedom, but you don't have the luxury of company-sponsored plans and traditional retirement vehicles, but we know you're out there. Let's talk about retirement planning tips for self-employed and Robert, a top tip for the self-employed is? You have to start as early as possible and put away as much as possible as soon as you can. So the old saying goes, Work as much as you can, as hard as you can, so you can sit on your can. <laughs> nice. You know, it's tough in those days, right? Because these people are, I mean, it's blood, sweat, and tears. It's keeping the lights on. It's keeping customers walking through the door if that's their situation. Retirement planning probably is the last thing that they're thinking about. Well, it is. You know, when you're first starting out and you have a new business, I mean, you're worried about paying the monthly bills, maybe supporting your family. And retirement is so far off in the distance that you're not even thinking about it. But if you do, you will get to retirement far sooner. Those early dollars are extremely valuable. You know, I was thinking about this segment and I was thinking about the people that I know that are, are self-employed and I worked in the music business for a little bit and, you know, musicians, just these these people that gig two to 250 to 300 times a year, they do pretty well. But again, it's night after night after night. They're not thinking about putting that money away. And again, they need to. For sure. And, and here's the thing, right? You're out there, you're working so hard doing probably what you love because if it is a business you started you must have some intimate knowledge of it and you're very passionate about it but at some point you may want to do something else not in that field and the sooner you start the sooner you start putting money away those choices will be yours maybe at a younger age than past retirement of say 65. Yeah I used to see a band that was called five guys with day jobs and that's kind of one of those things. (laughs) Some of the people that I've read suggest that self-employed people maybe should think about paying them a salary. Is that How do you determine that? I mean, should you do that? Again, you are working, right? So you should pay yourself first. And not only should you pay yourself, but maybe you should treat your retirement as another employee and make sure you pay that account also. And if you always have that there with tax planning, maybe some retained earnings, you know, depending on what type of business you're in, 
having that that retirement plan that that is available to you start putting money away and remember right if you can put away pre-tax dollars you're taking a interest-free tax-free loan from the government and using their funds to work for yourself we're talking about retirement planning for the self-employed the next tip is choose the right retirement account and they're out there for self-employed people Oh, they sure are. I mean, you have multiple choices. I mean, if you're a a one-person company, you have a one-participant 401k, and right now you can put up to $20,500 in that account. But if you're over 50, you can add, add an extra $6,500 as like catch-up contribution for that plan. You have a SEP plan, SEP IRA plan that you can put in up to $61,000 or 25% of your net earnings. So there are so many options. Here's something we suggest not only for self-employed people, but really all of our clients. You need to estimate how much you need to save for a comfortable lifestyle during retirement. I have never met a goal that I did not make. With that retirement plan or your, your income plan or your expense plan, right? If you have to set goals and numbers, when you do get to retirement, you may have to adjust those a little bit, up or down. But even adjusting those, if you don't start with something, how on earth do you know where you might be? And things may change over time. And again, we will be reviewing your plan and adjusting your plan if needed to make sure you stay on track. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Robert Chastain, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management in Naples. If you're self-employed, what should you consider when retirement planning? Because, folks, it's on you. It sure is. A couple things, right? With some help, right? You're going to make sure that your investments are suitable for your age, and you should be adjusting risk as time goes by so that you don't take a huge hit basically in the last five years before you retire. All of your investments should be tailored towards your age and or your retirement date. If you don't, like this year, some people are, oh, I'm going to put retirement off because, you know, the market's down 10, 15%. If you've adjusted your investments, that shouldn't be the case. Our last tip goes for everybody because, you know, you're a whole lot different than just an account number to Annex Wealth Management, and that's live a healthy lifestyle. And really what that means is invest in the most important asset, which is you. Well, your human suit or your human body that's God-given, if you take care of it, eat right, exercise, go to the doctor, get your checkups, take care of that body. And every once in a while, we have to go in for our NASCAR pit stop (laughs) and maybe get a knee replaced or a hip or that's what you should be doing. If you don't take care of yourself, who else is going to take care of you? I'm not sure which is first for me, the shoulder or the knee, but it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) Here's one other point. Who wants to become a burden to their family? Nobody does. So live as healthy as you can, as long as you can. And, you know, I'm always hoping for the Niagara Falls ending (laughs) where I go over the edge and I hit in 30 seconds and I'm gone. That's right. Bottom line, folks, there is no one size fits all answer regarding retirement planning, especially if you're self-employed. We can help you figure it out. Follow some of these tips. Might give you a good start for investment, retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. We do it as a fee only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Robert Chastain, Branch Director and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management Naples. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. Quick break. We're going to be right back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. 
Those new smartwatches give you all sorts of insights on your personal health. Heart rate, steps, all right there. Wealthmetric gives you key insights on your financial health. If you're looking for analysis and data on your financial health, get your Wealthmetric by visiting AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? As we work and save and invest to prepare for retirement, we focus on having enough to sustain the lifestyle we desire through proper planning. Well, what happens when there's money left over in an IRA that lists your children as a beneficiary? Randy Winkler is a wealth manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management here to talk about it. Hello, Randy. Hey, Danny. Let's start at the beginning. The IRA is the individual retirement account. It's a term we've heard a lot about, but can you give us just that quick explanation? Yeah, real quick explanation is that it's money you've never paid taxes on. So if there's multiple ways it can get into an IRA, you can put it into an IRA and then deduct that money from your taxes. A lot of money goes into 401ks, 403bs, and then it's rolled over into an IRA. That money's never been taxed. But basically the money in there is pre-tax, grows tax deferred, and when it comes out, it's taxed as income. That's where the challenge comes in. Now, it's meant to be depleted or spent over the account owner's lifetime at the proper time. That's what it's for. But there are many cases where it's not entirely depleted and the money needs a destination. And for the sake of this discussion, let's say the account holder is the last parent who was living, the beneficiary as a child, and that parent has now passed. It now becomes what is called a beneficiary IRA. And that type of IRA has certain rules that need to be followed. Can you go over those? Yes. And there's been a change there just recently. I mean, December 2019, when the SECURE Act passed, they made a big change that affects uh, beneficiary IRAs. You used to be able to stretch that over the lifetime of the beneficiary. So if somebody inherited at 50 and their life expectancy was 80, they could withdraw that inherited um, IRA assets. It's required um, over 30 years. Now they've changed it. It has to happen over 10 years. And that's presented a a lot of challenges. So it's compressed it, right? Yes. They don't have to do it every year. Like in the old way, you had a, a required minimum distribution that happened every year of your lifetime. Now you have to take it all out over 10 years, but you can take it out in the last five, the first five, all in one shot. And that's where tax planning becomes very, very important for that second generation. What's the downside to that? The Let me give an example. Let's say you've got an 80-year-old account owner and the child is a beneficiary and they're 50. The 80-year-old passes on. They pass the IRA onto the beneficiary. They're in their peak earning years, paying higher taxes than they probably have in their entire life. And now you tack on top of it an IRA that has to be depleted in 10 years. You could be jumping several brackets depending on where you're at. Let's talk about the Roth IRA conversion. That's for the original IRA account holder, right? So in the example we were talking about, the 80-year-old, they would need to have the Roth conversion performed for them. Correct. With a Roth conversion, you're choosing to make withdrawals from the IRA and pay the taxes. As opposed to an RMD, it's a required minimum distribution. So when it's required at now 72, that changed also in the past couple of years, you have very little control over your tax bracket because there's a dollar amount you have to take out. With a Roth conversion, we take a look at what's called tax bracket maximization. How do we fill up the the lower brackets, maybe the mid brackets, depending on how large it's going to be? Choosing to pay taxes up front in a bracket that we've chosen as opposed to paying it in the back end at a higher level. And where this really factors in with the inherited situation is let's say that the parents are in a very low tax bracket, they can convert at a low amount. If they don't, passes on to the child, they're going to have to take it out at a very high bracket. So by doing the Roth conversion for the parent, they're actually passing more money onto their kids and less money onto the government. True, but the dad still has to take the tax hit. Correct. The dad, in this case, taking it for the, so the child does not. 
So tax is paid by the dad, but it will pass tax-free to the heirs. Is it even called a beneficiary IRA anymore? It's called a beneficiary Roth IRA. Roth so IRA. It's, it's very similar. You have required minimum distributions. They have to come out over 10 years, but there's no taxes. So you can take that money out at any time, use it for whatever you want. The government just wants to get the money back in circulation. But we do a lot of Roth IRA conversions. Yes, we do. We do tons of them. We've always thought they were a wonderful idea for the owner of the IRA to choose the taxes that they want to pay, pick the bracket that they want to be in. This is added a whole nother level, especially for people that maybe are never going to need that money. They're going to convert it into a Roth with the intention of it being a legacy asset. They're never going to see the benefit of that because they're paying the taxes, but their child will and that they will not have to pay taxes when they inherit those assets. For investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary, know the difference, folks. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Randy Winkler, CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your insight. Oh, thanks, Danny. Always happy to be here. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, and that's the goal of this segment, an opportunity to meet a real-life client of Annex who we work with for investment, retirement, estate, and tax planning. It is another Hear the Difference conversation. Let's say hello to Garrett. Hey, Garrett. Hey, Danny. How are you today? Good, thanks. Hey, at the top, let's get some business out of the way, some quick questions. You are a client of Annex Wealth Management? Yes, I am. Annex is not providing any type of compensation for your time on this segment? That's correct. And there's no conflicts of interest between you as a client and Annex as a firm. That's correct. Complete transparency, ladies and gentlemen. I met Garrett doing what we call punishment. How would you describe what it is that we do? It's something that makes no sense to most people. Well, Danny, we like to go rucking, which is essentially walking around with 40-pound backpacks on our backs for between three and six miles. And we also do this at five o'clock in the morning, three days a week. Then after that, we lift heavy things like sandbags to try to maintain some strength. Essentially, I was really just looked at it as training for a life. There you go. And that's why we call it punishment. So in the course of our rucks and our various workouts, the conversation is all over the place. You and I are about the same age and retirement, I'm sure, must have come up at some point. And plus, Dan Phillips from our crew was part of the gang as well. At the time, you were not that far from actual retirement, were you? Yeah, that's correct, Danny. I think we met about two years ago during our rucks. Our conversations go a lot of different places while we're walking next to each other for two to three hours. And one of those places was retirement. For me at that point, it was about two to three years away from retiring. So at that point, did you have any kind of a plan in place? I'm sure you had investments. Actually, I had lots of plans in place. Uh, The problem was that they were really just strictly for my investments. I really hadn't looked at any kind of tax planning. I hadn't looked at any kind of insurance after I left my current job because I'm retired before I hit 65. I had lots of things all over the place, but I didn't have any one person that was helping me to coordinate all those aspects. Through our discussions, I ended up realizing very quickly that I really need to have someone that was way smarter than me about those things, specifically helping me coordinate all the aspects of my retirement. Now, you're a pretty smart guy. you got an engineering background, and I'm going to guess that probably means that you approach things from an engineering type of standpoint. Very much so. I did start putting money away very early. As soon as I got my first job out of school, I started putting money away, and then I took advantage of 
my employer's 401k plan. So my wife and I have been pretty much saving our entire lives. We developed a pretty good nest egg. The problem that we ran into is as retirement got closer, I realized that there was a lot more to my overall planning than just strictly the investment part of it. If I'm going to take retirement funds, where do I take them from? How much income do I want in a given year? And through our discussions with Deanne on, on our rucks, she really helped me kind of understand that Annex was the place to help me with all of those aspects of retirement. What I was really looking for was one place, so I only had to make one phone call if I had a question about whether it was my wife going on to Medicare or whether it was my personal insurance as far as my health insurance or where my investments were. Trusting the person that was making those decisions for me was absolutely critical to going with Annex. And you went through all the typical steps that everybody does, the portfolio analysis, the meetings with the wealth manager. And when it was right, you became a client of Annex. Was there a moment when you thought, you know what, these people are different? Absolutely. I was actually having a discussion with Deanne about something with regard to rolling my 401k over to Annex and a couple of other questions that I have. And we talked for probably about 20 minutes uh, before I even realized that she was actually on vacation when we had that conversation. Yet she still picked up the phone because that was important to her. And I've never had a group that I worked with before where somebody picked up the phone when they were on vacation because it was an important question that I had. And that really meant a lot to me. As I get a little bit older, I realize that my time is worth something. When you've got limited amount of time left, uh, you want to make sure that you are taking best advantage of it. I simply didn't have the time to do the research that I really would have needed to do to to do the things that I've done with Annex. And another thing that was really important to me was to be able to find someone that my wife, Christine, was comfortable with. I've seen too many cases, my mom's case in particular, where something happened to the husband or another partner in the relationship. And in my case, I didn't want Christine to be left not understanding or not knowing where everything was placed and not knowing what to do. I've seen that cause way too much heartache. So you are freshly retired. I would love for you to share the story about the grand adventure, and it is a grand adventure. My wife and I are going to be leaving on our 32-foot Nordic tug, and we're going to be completing a trip that's called the Great Loop. It's about a 6,000-mile trip that we take around the eastern half of the United States. We'll leave the Great Lakes. We'll go over to the Mississippi, then down to the Ohio River, then take the river system down to Mobile, Alabama, uh, we'll spend the winter down in Florida and the Bahamas, and then in the spring we'll come back up the East Coast, and we will go up into Canada for the summer, and then we'll spend the summer up into Canada and the Great Lakes. Uh, we'll be coming back to our home port. Folks, you're listening to this, so you can't see Garrett, but he's actually in motorcycle gear. You're involved in an organization that does some pretty amazing work with abused children. Working with a group called Guardians of the Children, uh, we're an organization. We have 46 chapters in 19 states, and then we have six chapters in Canada. We work with abused children and their families to try to give them strength and stability throughout their ordeal. We work with the public also to educate them and to recognize and react to child abuse. When a parent or guardian of an abused child approaches us for help, we actually adopt the child into our group and give them their own road vest and their own road name. We will escort the family to court and be there for them to provide support for whatever they need as far as help and support when they are in court. We're just really there to be emotional support and to let them know that they're not alone. 
That's awesome. Garrett, we are glad to be your partner on land, two wheels, and on the water. Thank you. Thank you very much, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back, 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? I guess we can call this a special version of Ask Annex as we got a rather urgent request from somebody who might be part of the Great Resignation. And for the uninitiated, the Great Resignation refers to the complete upheaval in employment happening right now. Job switches, career switches, you name it, it is happening. Here is what our anonymous person shared. Hello, Annex. I hope you can help. I'm freaking out. My company is making the news with coverage about a possible change in ownership that makes me uneasy. I've been here almost 20 years and have been involved in the company 401k, the HSA, as well as being involved with ownership of company stock. I might have the opportunity within a month to make a move to another company, but I have zero idea on what I should do with my current investments here. Are there steps I should follow? What might I be missing? Did I mention I'm freaking out about this? Let's dig in because this person is not alone. For some, it might be greener pastures with better pay and opportunity. This person's hand might be forced with a change in ownership. To help us outline some of the initial steps, let's welcome in Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Eric. Hi, Danny. Also joining us, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Hello, Deanne. Well, hi, Danny. You've got your inspector hat on. You've been looking closely and trying to parse exactly what this person is saying exactly let's say just for the sake of this segment we'll assume the person is taking a job at a new company so they got a 401k and hsa company stock what do we need to cover first well first congratulations it sounds like a wonderful opportunity and of course it's scary of course you're freaking out change is hard right but it sounds like you've done the right thing and you've got these wonderful components your hsa which we're going to cover in a moment you've got a 401k you're probably entering into a new company where you will also have benefits Benefits such as a 401k or something like that, a retirement plan, and uh, depending on your health care too, an HSA potential, and potential for other types of maybe deferral, maybe some options, maybe some deferred comp. So there's a lot to explore here. There is. And I think one of the first places to start is they mentioned company stock. The company stock might be within, for example, a retirement plan like a 401k. If that's the case, there are some strategies that would be appropriate to look at that could help with the taxation of that stock. Now, the stock might also be part of some kind of equity compensation plan, and that would be a moment where you really want to sit down with a financial planner who has strong background and education in equity compensation. And tax. And And tax tax is going to be really important here. They could be performance shares or restricted stock, non-qualified stock. You want to have this reviewed at this point because the tax consequences and investment consequences could be significant here. Is the stock thing the most complicated of all of these? It really is because there are different ways that you can get stock. You can get them through an ESOP or a stock purchase program. You can have them where the company drops them into your 401k, in which case, if you roll out, you have something called net unrealized appreciation potential, where it can potentially be tax favorably in the future, but there's current tax consequences when you
you roll that. So so if they're separating from the company and rolling that plan, they need to understand what their options are from a tax point of view. Now, they were talking about company stock, but they also mentioned a 401k. So it looks like those are two separate things. Well, they might, but you can hold company stock within a 401k, oh, sure. and that is where the tax consequences become complex, and you have a few options that you need to understand before you make a move. So one option with the 401k, which would generally not be the best option, is to cash it in for a lump sum. Now, that can create a lot of taxes. It can spike your income. It can create penalties. So that's usually the one option, Danny, that you don't want to do. But let's talk about some of the good options that someone has when they're leaving a a job. You could keep the money in the existing 401k. You could potentially move it into the new 401k at your new job, or you could roll the funds to your own IRA. Those are really the three main good options. There's a lot of considerations, though, to decide. First of all, you want to think about fees. Fees at the existing plan, what would fees be at the new plan, or fees in your own IRA? Depending upon the new company that's coming in for this merger or this takeover, that will influence what happens with that company's stock and what the options are. So you're going to be given a new set of documents and kind of a new welcome if you take this new job. It'll list your benefits. It'll give you options for that stock. But remember, because of the taxation, you're going to want to do some real planning around that. Now, if you decide to keep it, though, the other thing to do is to think about relative to your overall wealth, how much company stock do you actually own from a diversification point of view? Remember, you're already levered to that company simply by working for them and getting that paycheck. Sometimes, you know, there's no need to accumulate too much stock in one company in your overall plan. Deanne, I'm really glad that you brought up the topic of understanding and evaluating the benefits and compensation package at the new company. What type of retirement plans would this person have available to them? Maybe 401k, could be deferred comp, other types of plans. What company matches might be available? Is there equity compensation? What's the healthcare look like? Is it a high deductible plan where we can do another HSA? There are so many fun things to look at when you get that big old pile of paperwork, right? The benefits at the new company. I love to really look through that and understand all of the potential plan options and really how to leverage those. And how they fit into the financial planning goals of the person. They mentioned an HSA. That's highly transportable, right? Yeah, so that's a health savings account. So when you have a high deductible plan, a lot of times employers will open you up to having this health savings account. And what happens is pre-tax money is put into this account and you don't have to spend it by year end. There are some plans that are flexible savings plans where you have to spend them, use it or lose it by year end. HSAs are not that way. In fact, as you get closer to retirement, accumulating that so that you have tax-free money to spend for health care and retirement can be a really good thing. And these can be invested too to grow for for you for the future. Job switch, perfect time to talk to a financial planner. You bet. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Eric Strom, financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. And Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for the assist. Thank you for having me. At Annex Wealth Management, we put our money where our heart is. With the Annex Charitable Foundation, we strive to support difference makers in local communities and organizations to help them succeed. That's part of the difference. Learn more at AnnexCharitableFoundation.org. Know the difference. One team, one plan, one fee. Quick reminder, this show available on demand at the top of the hour on the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel. If you came in late and said, hey, I kind of like what these guys are talking about. That's great. That's what it's there for. I'm Danny Clayton. Also, 
joined in the studio, Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Good to be here. Our buddy Dave Spano still here. He's President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, uh, in your side of the business, Tom, is the qualified plan business, the 401k area. And there are so many laws and so many rules that you have to apply. So you have to pay attention to what's coming down the pike. And we saw a lot of moving parts over the last month. We saw the CHIPS Act. We saw the Inflation Protection Act, and most recently we saw the student debt forgiveness. And you and I had a conversation, and you made a great line that you can be political without being partisan. And I think we should try to explain the student loan forgiveness in a relatively apolitical way. Yeah, in context, I think is important, too, because a big part of what we do on our team is we help people with overall financial wellness that often gets incorporated into the 401k plan atmosphere, as you know. And so we've been looking at this throughout as we talk about basic budgeting and debt and student loan is a big part of that. And if you look at some of the programs that have already been in place, so you've got the public service loan forgiveness program, and that's been around for a while. If you look at the rates of actual completion for people who have applied for those loans, you're looking at a rate of just over 2% have been accepted since November of 2020. So when we look at, and before that, you're looking at rates of under 1% right. where the, the loans are actu- actually approved. So I just want to make sure that people, as they're doing their budgeting and their planning, and they hear this news, they think, sweet, $10,000, right. it's going to be great. By all means, I would say if you are eligible for this and you can get it, I'd take it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it actually it. we'll see if it actually happens, and we know there's going to be some pushback by it. But you know, we, what you're telling people, I guess we could say this on the air: if you think you're going to get ten or twenty thousand dollars, don't book your your trip to Hawaii based on. This. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I would say it's like I said: if you can get it, I, by all means, I would take it if it was offered to me. It's just that you want to be careful about some of these things. There are a lot of moving parts. It's not all certain. This There's a lot of fine print that hasn't even been written on this yet. So just be be aware of that and be careful. And of course, you know, we, we there is obviously some political motivation by putting this out right before an election, right? And there's certain people that are affected by it that, of sure. course, are going to be very excited about the option or the opportunity to get some type of reduction in this student debt. So uh, folks, we just want to, you know, go in with this with your eyes wide open, as I guess we time's trying to tell you. Absolutely. And this is one of many things that we look at. Uh, people's budgets are complicated and paying back student loans. There's there's a lot, you know, car prices are up. We were looking at uh, a thing we did recently with a client where the uh, we did kind of a trivia game. We were asking people, one of the things that stuck out to me was the average price, a monthly payment for a new car. And we had a multiple choice and almost nobody got the answer right. It was over $700. No so wow. yeah, when you look at the things that you know you have to allocate in your budget, this is really appealing to think this might get smaller. Just you know, be careful and make sure you plan for it. just in case, be prepared to pay it. And, and of course, you know that probably is a plan B. Your plan A should always be what, Tom? Well, if you take out a loan and you sign a piece of paper that says you're going to pay somebody back, you should plan on doing that. Right. Um, <laughs> and of course, and of course, in in the in what you do in the qualified plan side is to use those tools uh, to the best of their ability. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that does come across our desks. You know, sometimes people say, you know, I can't afford to save, and we're trying to help people save. And when we start looking at what's going on with their budgets, we understand, yeah, okay, when you have this many other payments, it is kind of hard to save, but you want to try to get your priorities straight, get these things out of the way so that you can create that wealth that, that you know, is really the American dream. Yeah, for sure. Tom uh, Tom Parks came in and joined us today, and what a great show you put together, Danny. Thank uh, you. I appreciate that, and hope 
hopefully it was a service to everybody and it's a demonstration of what we do, how we think as a fee-only fiduciary. What we do, very simple, four things, investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. Tom, I didn't forget about you. We also help companies with uh, benefits as well. Our five things. I'm starting to sound like the Monty Python skit. Exactly. But if we can help folks, head to the website. You can do it on a weekend. It's AnnexWealth.com. You click that Get Started button. Get going. Don't sit still. September right around the corner. Take a couple of minutes. Fill out that contact form on the website with the Get Started button. Let's talk next week. See you back here next Sunday, noon, Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.